The Bible reading today comes from 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 18-25. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Amen. Okay, so I can see now why some people are looking at me in a a puzzled fashion, because you couldn't hear me. So I won't go back to all I've just said. However, we have got these great leaflets which need to be distributed, and uh, we've got packs, and uh, we'd love people to be able to take some and distribute them into the neighbourhood. Are you with me, folks? Good. I, I was a bit worried when I could just see nothing coming back, but um, that's good. So, so we want to be able to just share with the community that we've begun a church community here at, in Corolla Park and Hare Street, and this is a great opportunity for everyone, particularly if you're a local person, to be able to take one and help distribute these things. But see Leah in the foyer afterwards. So, we've, for those who been associated with seeds before you know that we have a bit of a tendency to have series and to date you may have picked up if you're a, a astute person that we haven't had a series but today is the beginning of one and I want to share you know, the series as David mentioned leading up to um, Easter about the cross and I'm kicking it off today with um, with a message which I've entitled the word of the cross So before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable in your sight. That your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to us and lead us into truth and understanding. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, which Ella read to us. I love this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want to share just three things coming out of um, those scriptures that were read to us earlier. The first one I want to share is that this message, or it could be translated the word of the cross, this word is powerful. Just in case you weren't sure about this, the word of the cross is powerful. The word of the cross is not just good advice. It's not just handy hints to have in a life of challenging times. It actually is powerful because it's actually a saving message. It's a transforming message. It's a confronting message. And it's a message that people have been hearing for 2,000 years and we need to keep on hearing it because it's the word of the cross. Let me just tell you how effective that word is. When Jesus came upon the earth about 2,000 years ago, he came from a working class background. 
He didn't do much that was recorded for first 30 years. He only had a public ministry for about three years. He was executed as a criminal. He didn't write any books. He didn't do any TED Talks. At, at, at best, he had a few hundred followers at the time of his death. A few hundred followers. And here we are 2,000 years ago, and there are approximately 2 billion, 2 billion followers of Jesus today. So the word of the cross is a powerful word. It's a transforming word. It's a confronting word. It's a saving word. It does something to us both in the past and the present and the future. Come with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I love this scripture. I possibly have preached on it before and I'll probably preach on it again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I want to just keep it up for a moment and I want you to notice the tense. By grace, in other words, it's a gift, you have been saved. So this word of the cross, this saving word, is something that applied in history and applies to all of us. That if we put our trust in Christ, if we receive this gift that God is offering, we have been saved. It's done. We have been saved. And just in case we're not, we think we may have earned it, Paul reminds us, it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. And the good thing about a gift is you don't earn it. You don't receive it as a reward. You receive it as a gift. It's a gift. We have been saved. The word of the cross, first of all, says that we have been saved. But then the Bible also talks about the fact that we, we are being saved right now. So irrespective of the challenges that you may be going through, irrespective of the joys and the sorrows, of the highs and the lows, right now, the promise of the scripture is that we are being saved. Because life is never static. Can I just have a show of hands? You think, think People think that things change a little bit in life. Change a little bit. You, you change the circumstances in terms of your relationships. You change the circumstances in terms of your employment your accommodation, your friendships. Life is constantly changing. And it's not Christianity is not just some static thing that we talked about that happened in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. But Christianity is alive and well because Jesus is alive and well and we are being saved. It's a present tense. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, we read this in verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, I haven't got time to go into all that that means, but it's not about working out our salvation in terms of trying hard to be a good Christian. What it's about is, Allowing God to work in our lives because God is working in our lives. Salvation is a present tense as well. We are being saved. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Mark, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know the sort of challenges I have. You don't know the needs I have. Well, I don't know, but I'll tell you what God does. The Bible says he's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. And God's in the business of saving us today and even now and maybe 
Maybe you need a saving word from God today. Well, can I tell you, folks, you can receive it because God's in the business of saving us today. We have been saved and we are being saved. And the good news is we will be saved, past, present and future. So in the future times, when the end times come, the Bible talks about a thing called judgment. When that occurs, we can be confident not in what we've done, but confident in Christ because we will be saved. The saving word, past, present, and future. I love that. God covers all the bases. That's why this word of the cross is so important, and that's why I can't, I can't help myself but just getting a fraction enthusiastic about the word of God because he's in the business of having saved us, saving us now, and he will save us in the future. How good is that? Amen? Amen. It's great news. This message of the cross is powerful. It's a powerful word. But it's also a perplexing word. Going back to Paul's letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to them, but to whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. You see, if, if Paul had wanted to come up with a message that was palatable to his listeners, he wouldn't have come up with this one. Because for the Jews, you know, it was a stumbling block. Why was the message of the cross a stumbling block? Well, because for the Jews, they wanted to see a public demonstration of the power of God. They were looking for a political Messiah who would rescue them from the Romans because they were under tyranny of the Romans. They were an occupied country and, and, and so an occupied people. And so they were looking for a Messiah. They knew about the promises in the Bible about the coming Messiah. But in their mind, they were looking for a political deliverer who's going to set them free from oppression of the Romans. And so the idea of a message of the cross being Christ crucified was a huge stumbling block. It made no sense to the Jews. And, and for the Greeks, and there are a lot of Greeks in Corinth, because Corinth was a city in Greece, the Greeks were fixated on wisdom. And that's why if you looked at the scriptures that Ella read to us, it was constantly um, contrasting between man's wisdom or human wisdom and God's wisdom. You know, people have said that on every street corner in Corinth, there was a so-called wise person who was giving out instructions and giving out their own particular um, ideas about the future. So for the Greeks, the idea that Jesus would be crucified was, was absolute foolishness. How could you take any notice of someone who died a criminal's death? It didn't make any sense. So for the, for, the, for, the, for the Greeks, the message of the cross was absolute foolishness. That's why I say, if, you, if you'd done a focus group and you'd got some butcher's paper, and, uh, and ask for comments about what would be a really great, effective message to go out to people in Corinth, you would not have come up with the idea of Jesus of Nazareth being crucified on the cross. It was a stumbling block for the Jews. 
And it was absolute foolishness for the Greeks. And yet the Bible says that for us, for those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Yeah, it's interesting that um, one of the things I think that's very powerful is the whole message of sacrifice. Whenever you hear that someone has done a sacrificial act, it seems to resonate with everyone. And I was reminded of this when I, some years ago, I read a book by a, a Scottish man called Ernest Gordon. And he wrote a book which is called Miracle on the River Kwai. And the context is that during World War II, the Japanese were trying to build a railway through Burma and it was very hospitable um, and difficult terrain. And, uh, and basically they were bu building this railway with slave labour from all these prisoners of war. And the conditions were horrific. Horrific. And so much so that people had hardly anything to eat. They were working all day, uh, very hard labour. And when you've got hard labour with, with very little food, the impact on the human body was, was terrible. So people had a lot of disease and a lot of tropical disease anyway, but people had disease because of the conditions. And the soldiers, these prisoners of war um, men, they basically got to the point where just to survive, it became everyone for themselves. It became a dog-eat-dog -dog situation. You, know, you were just trying to get by. You were just trying to survive. People just drooped withdrew and pulled in to themselves and were just trying to get through, just trying to survive. And so the conditions were horrific and the behaviour was horrific as well. And Ernest Gordon was a Christian man and he was really dismayed by what he could see around him. And, he, and this was about 1942. And those people who know their history, it was another three years before the war ended. So it was a tough time, terribly tough time. And there was a group of Scottish prisoners and that they were formed a work party and they'd gone out and they had performed this activity and they were digging rock and cutting down trees and trying to build this railway. And at the end of the day, they were coming back and they went to this particular checkpoint where there was a count of all the shovels that had been used that day for the building of the Burma Railway. And the Japanese guard did a count and came to the conclusion that there was one shovel missing. And of course, the soldiers that were very worried about that because, well, the guards were, because they thought that may be used, you know, later on for some sort of escape or, or whatever. So, so the Japanese guard demanded that that missing shovel be handed in. And no one said anything. These Scottish prisoners of war just stood there. So then the Japanese guard became increasingly agitated and angry and threatened. And, and basically pulled out his pistol and said, if someone doesn't come forward and hold handy in that missing shovel, I'm going to shoot everyone here. One by one, I'm going to shoot. And he just became increasingly agitated. And it was becoming very desperate because he was on, he could see his hand was shaking and he was on the verge of shooting, saying to shoot. And so in the midst of all that, a Scottish soldier stepped forward and said, I took the shovel. And the 
the guard walked up to him and, and took out his rifle and started to bash into him and attack him and basically killed him to death right in front of their eyes. Beat him to death. Then they moved back, as they were heading back to the camp, they went to another checkpoint where there was another count and they realised that there never had been a missing shovel. Never was. There never was. But this Scottish soldier had sacrificed himself for everyone, for his work party. And Ernest Gordon writes in his book that when the news of that sacrifice spread and, and the prisoners of war realised that one of their number had actually willingly sacrificed his life for his fellow soldiers, fellow prisoners, it did something to the camp. People began, to, instead of looking after themselves, they began to look out for their other colleagues. People who were unwell got taken to the hospital. People who didn't have enough food, they shared their meagre rations. The behaviour completely changed because they'd seen sacrifice in action. And sacrifice is a powerful thing. And Jesus said in the... Uh, in John chapter 15, greater love has no one than this, and they lay down their life for their friend. And folks, you may wonder, how is it? How is it that, that if when Jesus died on the cross with a few hundred followers, and 2,000 years later there is over 2 billion followers of Jesus, what is it? What is it about the message of the cross that would cause this incredible response? Because to be a Christian in the early church, you were, your life was at peril. It wasn't an easy thing. We live in a country where we can freely worship and we don't know a lot of persecution. But for, for many thousands and millions of Christians over the years, to be a Christian has been incredibly perilous. To be a, it's been unpopular. It's, it's been putting your life at risk. Why is it that people would go to the such extraordinary lengths to do that? Well, I'll tell you, folks, that in the cross, in the cross, you see the sacrifice. And we saw how profound it was for a Scottish soldier to sacrifice his life on behalf of a small work party. Well, the Son of God has sacrificed himself for all of humanity. And that sacrifice has continued to have power and impact for 2,000 years and will continue to have power and impact going forward because it's in the sacrifice that we see the love of God being demonstrated. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. This, this word of the cross, it's perplexing in some ways. For the Jews, it was a stumbling block. For the Greeks, it's foolishness. And many people today sort of wonder why the Christians get so fixated upon the cross. What is it about the cross? What well, demonstrates God's love, the sacrificial love. Do you know, you go to any country town in South Australia and you will see a memorial, just about, unless a town is incredibly small, but most country towns in South Australia have a more memorial to the soldiers who died in World War I and World War II because we recognise sacrifice. Well, folks, we need to recognize the sacrifice of the Son of God. The message of the cross. It's a transforming thing. It's a saving thing. And I want to I leave, let Paul, the Apostle Paul, have the last word. 
on this issue of the cross because Paul had an insight into what the cross was all about. And if you read his letters, you get this incredible insight of what Paul had. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we read this. And Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So Paul said, even though this message seemed to be a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks, he wasn't ashamed of it. He wasn't ashamed of it. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation, both in the past and the present and the future. But folks, to tap into that, to appropriate that, to make that part of your life, so it's not just some words of enthusiastic character is talking about today, we need to actually believe it. Because the Bible says it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes, not just the special people, not just the, 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 the smart people, the intelligent people, the world-healed people, the people who have got their lives together. Wasn't it great to hit, that Yolanda was sharing how we don't always have all the answers to all the questions. We're not trying to kid ourselves here. There's lots of things we don't understand. But when we come to Christ, when we submit our lives to him, when we actually believe this message, we receive the power of salvation. But you have to believe. You have to receive it. Now, we may not necessarily understand it all, but we can reach out without empty outstretched arms and receive this gift of salvation, even today. It's the power of God for salvation. And we need to receive it, and we receive it by believing it. I love the message of the cross. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the words that Jesus uttered from the cross, where we can get a better understanding of this incredible dimension of the height and the length and the breadth and the depth of the love of Christ in Christ Jesus. But folks, my question today is, have you believed? Have you believed this message of salvation? Because it is for you today. Past, present, and future. It's a saving word. Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would take all the things we've shared today and that we might, whatever our circumstances, open ourselves up to you and even if we don't understand this whole thing about the cross, may we just, if you like, with put up our hands with outstretched hands and receive this message because it is the power of God for salvation. Amen.